Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Talking Paranormal. Matt, welcome back. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hold on a second. I think I can't decide if my camera's like trying to beautify me or if <laughs> I just have a smudge on my camera. Hold on a second. Use, use my kid's socks here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I still can't decide. <laughs> Matt's using a beautification filter. <laughs> hey, man, gotta look good for the fans. <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited about this episode. So, as you know, I did a show without you last week. Did uh, some surfing around TikTok. We talked about the fires and potentially um, a conspiracy involving direct energy weapons. We talked about Michael Jackson possibly not being dead. <laughs> and uh, we also talked about serial killers. And all right, all right. Man, it was a lot of fun. So... I, I discovered a theory. Um, okay. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. It's super interesting. And if you have heard of it, I'm going to be very disappointed that you didn't say something to me about it because it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's hear it. Let me just, I'm going to bring up the screen that I'm going to share. And uh, it's going to tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> it's epic, dude. And I swear to God, if you knew about this and you didn't mention it to me, if you failed to mention this to me, I'm going to be so disappointed. Uh, well, Chris, I like to support people's journeys and finding information on their own sometimes. Are you ready, dude? Here we go. Lay it on me. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. God damn it. <laughs> Are you yeah, serious? I've heard this. What yeah, and the, the paintings were where he buried the bodies. Yeah. Yes, son of a bitch. Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> now, now I'm disappointed, Matt. <laughs> Why? Rob Ross. I feel like that one's like really out there. So I didn't think, think so? to say anything. Oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> have you heard the Garth Brooks one? Yes, I have heard the Garth Brooks one. I love the Garth Brooks one. Where are the bodies? He... <laughs> where are the bodies? Yeah, where are the bodies? <laughs> uh, we might have to dive into that one. So I was prepared that if you weren't aware of this that i have yeah. another video queued up this one is not too long um i hope i'm not having problems with my internet it looks like i might be having problems with my internet right now but we're you're gonna coming through you're coming through pretty good all right good um we're gonna i, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this and just see definitely <laughs> pegger that's funny definitely a serial painter that's for sure um i'm the sorry theory... i disappointed you on oh, this man one. It's all good. I, I really wasn't sure how it was going to go. And I was like, something tells me he knows, but I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard this one. But I mean, at the same time, I was like, I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to die out Bob Ross. I mean, <laughs> it's Bob Ross. Like, it's our uh, happy little accident here. There's no accidents. Just happy mistake. Um, so you think you think there's nothing to it, man? You know what? With that hair <laughs> and that beard. Why not? Let the dude be a serial killer. Who cares? Right. You know, I mean, I heard that I mean, uh, he got his hair permed and because that was his look, like he couldn't not perm it and it pissed him off. <laughs> bro, um, I mean, you get you get dialed in on something. You got to you got to stick with the stick. I want to give it a little time. I just want to see if maybe there's something to this. I did a little bit of research, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going to save it for the show. Um, and then yeah, I found let's... this video. I haven't watched this video. I'm hoping it's good. We're hey homie, let's 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 queue it up. Let's watch it and let's just uh let's have fun with it. All right, hopefully uh this internet is working. 
can't believe you didn't think I didn't know about this. <laughs> no audio. Why do I have no audio? And why is it I don't think it's I don't think it's playing either. Oh, it's going. Is it? No. No, it's not. It's definitely not going. <laughs> I was afraid of this. Hold on a second. Uh, mission abort. Abort mission. <clears throat> Let me try something else really quick. Gosh, two fails today. <laughs> I am not feeling good about this. Bro, uh, I really think my camera's trying to like do a beautify filter on me because like <laughs> what is going on with my internet here? Cause like it is like trying to erase my facial hair. The hell do I fix that? Let me try this. Nothing. What the hell is going on here? It's almost like they know I'm trying to pirate their stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Like, not this time. Damn it. Um, shit. That sucks. Hold on. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, ha, I clicked on touch up my appearance. I'm an idiot. Oh, did you? That's hilarious. <laughs> I want to be ugly. Just let me out there. Wait, there. That's better. That's way better. Like it was like smoothing out my chin, and it was freaking me out. <laughs> okay, I think we might be uh, we might be okay now. Let's find out here. Yeah, it's that it's that blue light lens, my dude. I I work a computer job. Stare at it all day. Uh. <laughs> uh, walk car show. There's Scott. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Nice. All right. A few technical difficulties. Nothing out of the norm for talking paranormal. So let me do this again. Okay. Here we go, folks. <clears throat> are, we, are we ready? I think we're ready. Right. <laughs> I I saw it on TikTok and I was blown away. I was like, how have I never heard of this? Maybe there's a trapper that lived here and he went down to the river one day to check his beaver trap. Maybe he fell in. Maybe. Maybe there's a trapper that lived here and he went down to the river one day to check his beaver trap. Maybe he fell in. Maybe. Who knows? I bet you know, Bobby. To me. In other words, just cut it off. Get it the way we want it. Better have a door in our cabin. It's easier to get in and out if you got a door. Oh, yeah? It's hard climbing through the window sometimes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's hard climbing through the window sometimes. <laughs> this is amazing. I like the production value. <laughs> Welcome and all American Cartel members and on Facebook friends, Twitter followers, random YouTube viewer, 
BitChute viewer, TikToker, Redditor, GLPer, 4 channer Rumbler, and anybody else that might be watching. Thanks for joining me. My name is Julio. I am the Theorizing Theorist. And today we're going to cover Bob Ross being a serial killer. And we're going to start with his Wikipedia. Now, I got some very compelling evidence. And How long have you known about this, victims For y'all, but we'll get there in due time. Now, this part may seem a little bit... Probably... Too- couple Y'all, years important you know some certain facts. i'm sorry chris i just didn't think this Norman one would be like ross top. was an american painter anybody that watched the last episode can attest to how excited i was the joy of painting um, which is <laughs> my like, dream has been crushed through this long video you're like i got him on one <laughs> program that aired from 1983 to 1994 on pbs in the united states CBS, i'm gonna bring up some someday i'll find something that you don't know about and haven't heard elsewhere ross would subsequently become widely known through his posthumous internet presence. Now I'm curious as to how many of y'all knew that he was in the military. He was actually in it for 20 years from 19... 19- There's actually... Uh, we are going to watch another video. I wanted to check this one out. But uh, okay. there is another video that kind of plays to this a little bit. It's kind of funny that he was in the military. So it's a, it's a very... Uh, I had to be a little... Um, a little creative with the title here because I didn't want it just to be about Bob Ross <laughs> possibly yeah. being a serial killer because there is a wild conspiracy theory involving serial killers that I've wanted to talk about. So I figured we'd kill two birds with one stone because part of me, a very small part of me was like, Matt knows about this. I know he does. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad. Man, I, I'm glad I, I even didn't, I didn't watch nothing. I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to let this be a surprise. And then I ruined it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good, dude. 61 to 1981. Now, 1981 is a very important. See, day. even Josh remember, was super excited. The rank of master <laughs> sergeant. So, 1981. I'm sorry, guys. Your notes if you need to. Early life. Ross was born in Daytona Beach, Florida, to Jack and Ollie Ross, a carpenter and a waitress, respectively, and raised in Orlando, Florida. As an adolescent, Ross cared for injured animals, including armadillos, snakes, alligators, and squirrels, one of which was later featured in several episodes of his television show. He had a half-brother, Jim, who he mentioned in passing on his show. Ross dropped out of high school in the ninth grade while working as a carpenter with his father. He lost part of his left index finger, which did not affect his ability to later hold a palette while painting. In 1961, 18-year-old Ross enlisted in the United States Air Force and was put into service as a medical records technician. He rose to the rank of Master Sergeant and served as the first sergeant of the clinic at Elson Air Force Base in Alaska. That's very important, where he first saw the snow and mountains that later appear as recurring themes in his paintings. He is very important. That's very important as well, guys. He developed his quick painting technique during brief daily work breaks, having held military positions that required him to act tough and mean. The guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work. Ross decided he would not raise his voice when he left the military. Now let's jump ahead a little bit. The landscapes he painted, typically mountains, lakes, snows, and log cabin scenes were inspired by his years in Alaska, where he was stationed for the majority of his Air Force career. He repeatedly said everyone has inherent artistic talent and could become an accomplished artist given time, practice, and encouragement. Ross would say, we don't make mistakes, we just have happy accidents in 2014. Uh, the blog 538, this is important to analyze 381 episodes in which Ross painted live, concluding that 91% of Ross's painting contained at least one tree, 44 contained clouds, 39 mountains, 34 mountain lakes, and by his own estimation, Ross completed more than 30,000 paintings, three of each one basically. 
His work rarely contained human subjects or signs of human life. I think once it did. And then on rare occasions, he would incorporate a cabin, sometimes with a chimney, but without smoke and possibly unoccupied. So I think the cabin is the signal that they have that he's using to kind of uh, mark which paintings has a body attached to it, if that makes any sense. So go and check, see if you can find any paintings and maybe shoot me a link to where you found it and i can check it out maybe i can link it to another murder but anyway together with husband now check this out this is how he's affiliated with the cia together with husband walt a retired cia operative kowalski decided to make ross the face of a new hobby craft business a cottage industry of sorts in the late 1970s and early 80s so he's affiliated with the cia and i want you guys to know that the bob ross show for whatever reasons, it's a once they prove this to be true, the new Netflix airing, documentary is going to be the joy of killing. The amounts of crimes that would happen. True. I want you to see here that he was a traveling salesman, as you can see there under the August 27, 2021. Um, very important as well. But, I mean, if um, this was true, that's the biggest yeah, the troll Ross ever. He's just would, painting uh, in the fucking places he left bodies. <laughs> oh, right. The amount of violence <laughs> that would God. happen out in the public during its time of airing. So, whatever that means. Now, let's get to. The bodies, Porcupine River. Now, I want you to see the location of the mouth of Porcupine River. It's right on top of, damn near, um, of this Air Force base. Now, what's so specific or significant about this um, Porcupine River? Well, the painting with the cabin kind of looks like it. I'm not trying to sit here and say I'm sure at any angle you can make anything fit. But a man vanished on Alaska trapping expedition 46 years ago. His skull was just ID'd. Now, it wasn't just any trapping expedition. It was a beaver trapping expedition. And if you recall what he said in the beginning, right? And if you could only imagine my surprise or lack thereof uh, when I discovered that they found his only his skull next to to uh river so anyway uh snow-covered hills in the porcupine oh let's just read this his family members remember gary frank southern as a free spirit who spent time in canada and worked on the alaska oil pipeline when he set out on a trip <laughs> on the trip of a lifetime to go trapping in the alaskan wilderness in fall of 1970 definitely a reach aaron his family understood sister and bunyan um, told KTU. Now, do I think Bob Ross was now, a serial killer? But the 25 year old no. from New York, but a sick, sick part winter, of me. His family kind of wants never it heard to be from true. him again. Now, lots of <laughs> weird discrepancies going on here in this story. Um, they say a bear got to him because they found markings on his skull, and they even went to say that there were puncture markings that were perfectly, you know, uh, distance and show that it was a bear. And then you hear other articles, and you're going to read in this article even, it says that his head was just clawed at scratch um whatever that may i guess you could scratch somebody with your teeth now 46 years later dna testing on a skull found by a hunter in 1997 has identified southerners remains now i want you to know that um what's his name died in 95 so less than a year and a half later or two years later they found the body of this guy his family always suspected that was the case but until ktuu they couldn't imagine southerner who'd now be 71 would leave them wondering all these years confirmation though has brought acceptance that's the life he chose bunyan told the station and not that he chose his death but he chose a life where that was a possibility so we just have to allow him to have chosen what he wanted now i don't agree with that being what he was choosing with that possibility he was just trying to take a 
trip, you know, a fateful trip with that. No, bro. If so you choose to go trapping in the Alaskan wilderness, you're going to run into wildlife. I mean, and you might die. <laughs> yeah. In fall of 1976, his friends suggested they work together on the same side of the river. But Steve Southern told the Post Standard that his brother had other ideas. Now, the friend's name Stan, and they don't know any other information about him, um, says the family, at least. And I don't know any. So anyway, he was very independent and loved the outdoors, and he liked to do things the way he wanted to do things. Steve told the publication instead the friends agreed to trap on opposite sides of the river, then meet up in the spring to catch a plane out. Now, the guy, Stan, got sick early and took off early, and he just assumed um, that the dude would have figured it out and leave on his own. But when the time to return home arrived, Gary never showed up, KTUU reported. His family hired a friend to search for him, but the man found only his camp with some of his supplies. I wonder what his camp looked like. Was it a tent? Was it a shack? Was it a shed? Maybe the shed is just a gravestone, if you will. In time, his family erected a gravestone listing Gary's date of death as 1977 with an inscription reading lost in Alaska, the station said. So if you didn't realize, Bob Ross was in that area, right? A mysterious skull in July 1997, 20 years after Gary Southern went missing. A hunter found a skull along the Porcupine River about eight miles from the Canadian border. Alaska troopers reported in a news release. Now, don't worry. This story gets very, very compelling real quick. So troopers searched the area but could not find any other remains, the release said. The skull, which had markings suggesting a bear attack, was stored at the Alaska State Medical Examiner's Office with other unidentified remains for years. In 2022, cold case investigators extracted DNA from the skull, the release said. Now, there's a rumor out there that he's in jail, that he was in jail, and that he was doing his show from prison, but nobody would know because they had it set up <laughs> for whatever reason. That's right? ridiculous. Um, I don't that's know wild. if that's true or not, but... Well, let, let me just keep reading here. So you just keep um, reading there, big shoots. <laughs> they contacted Steve Southern, who agreed to provide a DNA. Oh, uh, the reason I was bringing that up was because his paintings, they're not for sale. They're, they're locked up. I think they're locked up in the, uh, in the possession of the, the state. It belongs to the state, maybe. I don't know. DNA matching confirmed the skull belonged to Gary, Trooper said. Steve told the Post Standard that he later learned the skull had bear tooth marks and that Gary probably died shortly after beginning his trip in fall of 1976. Um, back to the other point, my wife was telling me that you, you're not allowed to make money in jail like that or something to that effect. And so um, <laughs> they kept them to keep in line with their policy. I don't know. But it was much more brutal than I had hoped. He told the publication, you always have hope. But we now know that know what happened to him. The remains are being returned to the family, which is planning a memorial service for later this year. So don't worry. Lots of interesting information. So um, let's see what's here that we wanted to show you. Um, right there, yeah. Once authorities matched the skull, which was scarred with bear claw markings, right? Not bare teeth markings, not so claw markings. So what's okay, with but... the discrepancy? And then there's also other discrepancies, like they're saying that he um, was just on a hike, and then others say he was on a hunting trip. Well, he was trapping, not hunting. Um, and then others say, well, he uh, they were just uh, walking on opposite sides of the river because they needed to meet up, and they were trying to find a spot that was frozen over. Like all kinds of elaborate different stories and i don't know how that happened i suppose that just happens after yeah this guy's bouncing around too much man retelling the story and what i'm sure i'm messing this whole guy's uh 
<laughs> history up, you know. Uh, anyway, so if you want to learn more about this guy and his mysterious death, Eaten Alive's on YouTube, the Alaskan Bear Mauling Mystery. Um, I checked it out. It wasn't too informative, but it does give you some info into the just like this video. It, there is some mystery that they think that he might have been murdered. Um, troopers theorize Link in three baffling area murders. Now, I want you to really, really pull out your notes and pay attention this time. So, Thomas Bunday was a serial killer suspect in Fairbanks, also known as the he North Pole Killer. I don't believe that he is Bunday. an actual killer. He denied doing anything. And then there's some Not to be statements confused made with to the Ted police, Bundy. which you know how that always goes. Um, was he oh, set man. up? Was it a patsy? Um, and then again, you don't even know who serves time, really. I mean, they could just put up a person and say that this is this person. He's a serial killer. All these cases are solved. And in reality, it's just a CIA agent that they, you know, dressed up as the perp. And then they never jailed him, of course. Uh, but they just tell the public, yeah, he's in jail. So this right here is a photo, not really a good one, of the motorcycle crash and his helmet there. And these are the five girls that he supposedly killed, who I think Bob Ross actually killed. <laughs> and why would the um, CIA cover up murder for whatever Bob reasons? Ross. I think Bob Ross might have been MK Ultra, if you're asking me. Um, to be honest, it just uh, the way he talks, the monotone might be more than just his character or his nature. It could be like a lobotomy or something, or damage from all the drug use from the LSD or whatever. So. Um, like yeah, I said, I this know. feeds into the next video yeah, that talks about the conspiracy theory I've been waiting to talk about. Theories that are already oh, out man. there, and uh, these could all be fake, right? These, these could all not fake, but these could all be wrong. So, but if you want to read the article that I found about Bunday, that I find very curious that you know, Bundy, Bunday. I mean, is this like <laughs> version 1.0 of of the other Bundy, right? Um, but the, the more intriguing part and the more compelling part that I'm about to show you is going to hopefully make your jaw drop a little bit. Now, what if I told you the FBI was looking for a serial killer that worked at the Air Force Base during 1979 to 1981? Well, they were because that's where this guy worked. They sure All were. these victims were going to go over their story and they claimed that they saw uh, a person in an Air Force base outfit um in a car talking to one of the ladies so let's read and see what we can so thomas richard bunday was an american serial killer who from 1979 to 1981 committed a series of murders of young women and girls in the city of fairbanks alaska at the time of the killings bunday was serving at the ilson air force base near fairbanks and for a long time avoided suspicion now notice 1981 <laughs> is the end of his crime spree and uh bob ross left the the Air Force Base in 1981. I'm assuming he knew the gig was up, and so he got the <laughs> heck out of town. Bro, now, more just... surprising is that they thought that um, uh... and died before apprehension. Of course, the story behind his apprehension is weird. They caught him, they let him go for eight days, and then Pause. they found his body, um, <laughs> smashed up, whatever. But so let me hit the street. This guy's like Bob Ross. Just knew it was time, so he told the military. I'm done here. Let's go. Let's go somewhere else. Uh, no. MK Ultra. Bro. <laughs> oh, this is good shit. I love it. <laughs> it's 
I don't know. I, I don't believe that this is the, the serial killer that we're. we're, we're I don't believe that of, you have a successful uh, YouTube with channel. The dates being so coincidental, <laughs> and then them two years or whatever. Because you got to remember, like when he dies, his will comes out. Maybe he admits some things, and they're able to release some things privately, but they have to do it carefully. So they act like a hunter found the skull, right? So anyway, Thomas Richard Bundy was an American serial killer who from 1979 to 1981 committed a series of murders of young women and girls in the city of Fairbanks, Alaska. At the time of the killings, Bundy was serving at the Ilson Air Force Base near Fairbanks after a long time with a suspicion. Despite confessing to the crime privately, mind you, to the police, Bundy was not immediately arrested due to a legal mistake and remained at liberty for another eight days, during which, for unknown reasons, he did not make any effort to evade justice. Now, they also thought it was him because, I guess, a week prior, he had tied up two girls, two hookers, I guess, ladies, young ladies, and tied them to the tree because he wanted to teach them a lesson. He was in his cop outfit. Don't know if that's true, but that's what the story goes after his death. Of course, he's not able to defend himself. So the murder series began on August 29, 1979, when Fairbanks resident Glinda Soderman, 19, went missing. Her decomposed body was found two months later in a gravel pit near Highway 23 miles south of Fairbanks on June 13th. 1980, 11-year-old Doris Oring went missing. The brother of the deceased told police that a few days before his sister disappeared, he saw her talking to a stranger sitting in a blue car and wearing an Air Force uniform. The brother then helped the investigator make a complete identikit of the criminal. I wish I could see that, but anyway, on January 31st, 1981, 20-year-old Marlene Peters went missing, who on the day of her disappearance gathered to hitchhike from Fairbanks to Anchorage. Five weeks later, Wendy Wilson, 16, disappeared on her way to the Ope's to see her boyfriend who was staying there. Miss Ope had suffered Wendy, had offered Wendy a ride before she had disappeared. On May 16, 1981, 18-year-old Lori King disappeared, and shortly before her disappearance, Marlene Peters' partially decomposed body was found in October 1981, not far from Wilson's body, the decomposed body of King was found near the Ilsen Air Force Base. During the investigation, the police for the first time suggested that a serial killer from among the military personnel was operating in the territory. So that right there should make everybody's ears perk up. There's a rumor that uh, Bob Ross is a serial killer. And in fact, they were suspecting there was a serial killer operating in the same uh, secluded or isolated Air Force Base area as he was for 20 years. If that isn't a red flag, along with all the other red flags, I don't know what else is. So let me continue reading. Bro, you're... D- uh, during the investigation, the this police suspected all so personnel hard. of the Eilson... I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name, by the way. Eilson uh, Air Base, including the employees employed as civilian specialists by February 3rd, 1982... Only three people were included in the suspect list who at various times were distinguished by their destructive behavior towards women, one of them being Bunday. By that time, he had been transferred to Wichita Falls, Texas, where he had served since September 1981. So if they're walking around the base asking all these questions, Ross heard this, takes off, right? I mean, makes sense to me. Thomas Bunday was arrested on March 7, 1983 and was taken to the police station to be interrogated. In addition to an interrogation, a search was conducted in his house and the trunk of his car during the search, evidence was found linking I'm curious to see how he with the murders in Fairbanks. Attaches Bob time, Ross to this. Day, admitted to killing right. Five well, women I mean, it sounds like he's just like, it's Bob Ross. It's not this guy. It's, I think he's state, saying so that Bob Ross set this guy up. <laughs> um, he was also questioned about the murder of Cassandra Goodwin on March 22nd, but vehemently refused to admit to her murder. Why? Um, Bunday indicated psychological problems and sexual complexes as a motive for committing the murders. Despite his confession, he was not arrested and had to be released because there was no warrant for his arrest. I mean, 
that makes no sense to me. But okay, um, let's let him go for a couple of days and then let's just find him dead, right? That makes no sense. Sounds like he was set up. He was the patsy to take the blame for these deaths. So, or I'm just a you know delusional theorist, but I'm not. I'm not delusional because I don't believe anything to be true except for God. So again, all this is theoretical. Alaskan authorities issued an arrest warrant for Thomas Bundy on March 15, 1983. But he was not immediately arrested in Texas, riding his motorcycle about 40 miles outside Wichita Falls, sorry about that, Texas, Bunday Road into the oncoming lane of the highway and collided with a truck. Uh, he died almost instantly. The incident was subsequently recognized as a suicide, which was retarded because uh, you an can't hour say before that. that, he had filed his taxes, his tax return. Why do you care about filing taxes if you're just going to commit suicide? I I'm guess wearing my IRS he tax shirt. Commit suicide Amazing. after filing his taxes. Oh, yeah? You know what? <laughs> I'm out of here. Hell yeah, DIY uh, Hemi. Shout out. Up. I'm out of here. There Shout out the DIY. Me. Who knows? It might, he might be the killer. But to me, it just seems so convenient as I'm going through this investigation and I find you know, this evidence that a serial killer was indeed operating in that area um, and that you know, 1981, Bob Ross leaves. 1981, they're, you know, the, the murders stop. And in 1980, whatever, they're questioning all these people in early 1981. So it kind of leads me to believe that Bob Ross got scared and took off. Right? <laughs> or maybe they caught him and Say they told him, time. you know what? We Say it one more time. You. Let's join the CIA. And that's when he began his career. Very coincidental. The city of the North Pole, Alaska, is 1,700 miles south of the geological North Pole. The streets have holiday names and stores sell Christmas themed items year round. The town's a big attraction, so we don't care about all this stuff. Let's see here. Um, so, yeah, five females were murdered in the small community from 1979 to 1981. And I believe um, that this serial killer was operating well before that and even after that. But in 1981, he was out of that state. Um, but before 1979, maybe he was just gearing up and he was building up one a year. And it finally ended up to being, you know, he couldn't control his impulses, which is kind of crazy to think about Bob Ross not being able to control his impulses. The man is like uh, the poster child of um, calmness, right? So Calm. let's read a little Ooh, bit more collected. about these poor victims. Glinda Sodeman, uh, 19, vanished from her home in North Pole on August 29th, 1979. Glinda was a newlywed and the daughter of an Alaska state trooper. That is weird. Linda and her husband had a small baby, and when her husband Pause. arrived home <laughs> on August 20th. Look, both of us, being fathers, sure, can also understand postpartum does some weird stuff to, to women. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely so, um, so what I'm saying is, is this lady could have had an episode. And just took off, man. You know what I mean? Middle of nowhere, Alaska. No support. Surrounded by Christmas bullshittery. <laughs> How depressing was that event? You got I postpartum mean, depression and this Christmas time all over the place. All you know, year round. <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. like, this lady could have took off. And she's actually just playing Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> she's in the sky she's right there watching that kid grow up she seen uh, him come and get sat on santa's lap every year for christmas i mean you're Just not another tuesday for her that's not as far of a reach as bob ross being the killer of all these women <laughs> right 
<laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, I hate to say that they found her. I, I hate to see that I'm now reading the screen and they're like, they found her in a gravel pit. But <laughs> I know that's fucked up. Oh man. And I'm over here like she's just hiding out. <laughs> Rest in peace, Glinda. <laughs> Rest in peace, Glinda. I'm sorry for what I just said. Glinda was gone. By all accounts, Glinda was happy and had no reason to run away from her home. The following October, Glinda's decomposed body was found in a gravel pit near Moose Creek on the Richardson Highway, not far from Ilson Air Force Base. Glinda had been shot in the face and troopers. So far, found, other than where um, he was stationed, caliber pistol I hear no real links to Bob Ross. So the medical examiner discovered no evidence suggesting Glinda. I completely regret everything I just Glinda said, but <laughs> who failed the lie detector test. Even Glinda's father suspected his son-in-law of the crime, but troopers found no evidence to arrest the husband. So it seems like they're just kind of tacking on this uh, weird murder to this guy. So Doris Oring, 11. Um, on June 11, 1980, 11-year-old Doris Oring and her older brother were riding bikes together on the roads in North Pole. Dor Doris cycled ahead of her brother, and when her brother caught up with her, he saw his sister talking to a strange man in a blue car. The man had propped open the hood of the car as if he was having engine problems. When Doris's brother pulled up, the man quickly shut the hood, jumped in the car, and sped away. The brother was later able to describe the man to a police sketch artist. He told police he thought the man's blue shirt looked like an Air Force uniform, and the man had a military-style haircut. Well, that's a little weird. I guess Bob Ross uh, grew his hair out, right? So he didn't he permed it to save money. I don't know when. Um, but that doesn't really fit, right? So two days later, Doris disappeared at her bicycle. I want him to say that Bob Ross had a blue car. I can't wait. Near her home in North Pole. <laughs> a witness reported seeing a small blue car tear around the corner at an intersection near Badger Road. The driver seemed preoccupied and was wrestling with something or someone in the seat next to him. Police believe the attacker hid in the bushes on the side of the road and waited for Doris to ride her bike past his hiding spot. Once he got once she got close, he jumped out of the bush, grabbed her off her bike, and tossed her the bike into the ditch. State troopers asked security at Elson Air Force Base for a list of blue cars registered to drive on the base. Now, what I find curious is that they don't ever tell us any of these lists, like the three. 550 names of people with blue cars? Holy these, shit. Dude, um, you have to, but think about it. Like, list of up there in Alaska, there's probably not a whole lot of import business going on. Investigators like, just, what's there is the there. But with no fingerprints or other forensic evidence, they didn't know where to begin. Since troopers had not, maybe Bob's so Linda smart, he's like, "Fuck, everybody's got a blue car. Murder, I'm never gonna get caught." Um, yeah, his his description gets out there. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna start perming my hair." They gave him perm this bad boy. Polygrapher found the test results inconclusive. They had no physical evidence pointing to Sodomen, but he could not pass a lie detector test when questioned about the murder of his wife or the abduction of the young girl. Troopers decided to bring in a polygraph expert to question Sodomen. After ten minutes, the expert left the examining room and told troopers that Sodomen had an irregular heartbeat. And he could never pass a polygraph test. The test results uh, from an individual with a heartbeat like Sullivan's would always be classified as inconclusive or failing. Since the troopers had no reason other than that, then his lie detector test results to suspect Sullivan, they dismissed him as a suspect in the disappearance of Doris. Why did they have to dismiss him as a suspect? They said it could have kept him there. I mean, it's not illegal to suspect somebody, even for the police, right? Mm, that's weird. So Marlene Peters, 20 years old. On January 31st, a little over seven months after someone snatched Doris Oring, 20-year-old Marlene Peters disappeared. Marlene was last seen trying to hitch a ride from Fairbanks, Fairbanks to Anchorage to visit her father who was sick with cancer. Oh, that's terrible. 
Oh, man. Uh, police considered Marlene's disappearance suspicious, but they had no way to know if someone had abducted Marlene near Fairbanks or if she had disappeared somewhere else between Fairbanks and Anchorage. Troopers did not immediately link her case of Doris Orrings or Glenna Sodomans. Wendy Wilson, 16, five months after Marlene disappeared, 16-year-old Wendy Wilson vanished. Wendy was last seen hitchhiking and a witness saw her climb into a white pickup truck in Moose Creek near Fairbanks. Three days after she disappeared, Wendy Wilson's body was found near Johnson Road, 32 miles south of Fairbanks near the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. Wendy's killer had strangled her and then fired a shotgun into her face. Nine weeks after the discovery of Wendy Wilson's body, um, Marlene Peters' remains were found. Marlene also had been dumped near Johnson Road, and she was found only two miles from where Wendy had been dumped. Um, and, and another thing I know, wait till you find out what this this uh the guy that they're accusing of the north pole killer um what he was what he was able to do here in a minute uh, with with satellites i guess so uh three days after she disappeared wendy wilson's body was found near johnson road 32 miles south of fairbanks near the trans alaska pipeline wendy's killer had strangled her and then fired a shotgun into her face uh, talk about a, a not so happy little accident nine weeks after the discovery of wendy wilson's body marlene peters remains were just found. read the same shit Marlene again also had been dumped near johnson road and she was found only two miles from where wendy had been dumped marlene also had been strangled and then shot in the face with a shotgun so different weapons being used if you recall earlier i said no shotgun shells though that's why um lori king at 19 two days after police recovered marlene peter's body they were notified of the disappearance of 19 year old lori king lori had last been seen walking in Fairbanks. The Fairbanks police and the Alaska State Troopers now knew they had a serial killer operating in and near North Pole outside of Fairbanks. Soon the news media labeled the string of murders the Fairbanks serial murders. Police as well as civilian and military volunteers searched for doors, O-rings, and Lori King's body near the Johnson Road area where the remains of Wendy Wilson and Marlene Peters had been discovered, but they found no sign of either victim. On September 2nd, 1981, four airmen on a hunting trip came across the remains of Lori King in a wooded area near a missile site off Johnson Road. Um, earlier searches had somehow missed the area, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. The killer had done nothing to hide Lori's body like Wendy and Marlene. Lori had been strangled and then shot in the face with a shotgun. I mean, that sounds very systematic. It makes me wonder in this time and era, it's like, I mean, Jesus, the stuff that these, these Satanists or the Illuminated could get away with is amazing i bet so because Lori's body was found on a federal reservation the fbi joined the case and a task force was formed investigators now knew they were hunting a dangerous predator possibly named bob ross <laughs> now while we have this thank you guys please be sure to subscribe like share um, this video is almost like over here but um i do put a lot of effort into these videos and research and all that so i need you to connect bob ross dude i have a cash app link it's basically a cash symbol and cartel member. Now I'm really hurting for funds. Um, the channel is really hurting for funds and these videos don't come out as quickly and with that much effort anymore, because basically it takes a lot of time to do this. And if I can't make money doing this, my wife gives me a really bad time. If I'm just this doing this for guy. a hobby, let's just say so. Oh my yeah, God. Make me a professional and donate if you can. So let's continue reading. I, because no. Lori's body was found no, I'm not going to pay this guy for this case and task force no. was born. investigators now knew they were hunting a dangerous predator some but not all of the women showed signs of being raped before they were murdered an investigator from the Elson AFB office of special investigations reported he had identified three individuals on the base who acted inappropriately toward women 
One of the three men he identified was Technical Sergeant Thomas Richard Bunday, a 33-year-old electrical expert. Co-workers son said Bunday repeatedly showed disrespect toward women, and one woman who worked with Bunday said he was verbally abusive and she was afraid of him. Now, I want to know who the other two were. I'm sure there are names out there. If you could find them for me, I'd be very much interested in that. It is important to note that profiles are theories and not solid evidence. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, after Lori King was murdered on... Sounds like somebody's on a list. ...murders ended in September of 1981. discovered the body of Lori King. It was another body near Johnson Road. By November 1982, the task force concluded the murderer was either dead, in prison, or had moved somewhere else. Like Bob Ross. The task force decided they needed to look at military personnel who had transferred outside the state in the past 18 months. Wow. So they definitely looked at Bob Ross. Wow. Who was on that list? Thomas Richard Bunday. Bunday had transferred to Shepard Air Force Base near Wichita Falls, Texas, on September 9th, 1981. They contacted police agencies near other U.S. Air Force bases around the world and asked them to be on the lookout for any murders similar to the ones perpetrated near Fairbanks. Now, he became a traveling salesman, and we're going to try to hunt down who he was hunting down as a traveling salesman. Uh, Wichita Falls Police reported investigating a murder similar to the ones that had occurred near Fairbanks, but when Alaska investigators arrived in Texas um, to discuss the murder, they found a sheriff sitting at his desk watching television and reading a newspaper who told them they are no unsolved crimes in my county. The sheriff said Lori had been killed by a drug dealer but was now dead. Um, what? Uh, Doris Oringer's younger brother Dude. identified a photo Dude, of Bundy in a lineup, and he had no trouble picking up Doris Oringer. They can has strangled her. They were like, bro, he's ending with Bob Ross. He just keeps. I Maybe he never tied it into the goddamn paintings. No, I'm so pissed right now. <sighs> no, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. How? The ridiculousness of that. You can't. So we just wasted half an if, hour on this if, guy. If you're going to say that Bob Ross is a serial killer, show us the shit that go that makes you go. Maybe <laughs> uh, no, there was all nothing. All he kept that, doing was talking about Bunday. He and... well, he said, "Well, in a few minutes, this is gonna you know tie it all together." <laughs> it never fucking came. No, nope, um, never came. Okay, so the way that I saw it, um, let me see if I can do something here real quick. There was the painting of uh, the cabin that he started the video with, where he said maybe a beaver trapper fell in the river. You know, yeah. Beaver trapper died, found a skull. And then with the five girls. So I got some misinformation on TikTok because I heard that uh, there was a painting that he did of like a... Um, uh, a tree with a little pathway and that five women were killed and their bodies were found at that site. And he did a, um, a painting that looked just like it. Okay. Uh, okay. But, uh, God, it pissed me off. Uh, da, 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 da. Hold on guys. Give me a second here. This is one of the videos 
from TikTok <laughs> that got me going, well, I mean, if there's something there, let's see some evidence. I, I was hoping that video uh, was going to show me something that would give me a little bit of a. Uh... And he had that guy had nothing like I had nothing. So. This is basically yep. what the Bob Ross theory. We all know Bob Ross is the lovable curly haired painter on television. But what if I told you there's a much darker theory surrounding Bob Ross? This theory claims that he's actually a serial killer, and it's all because of this painting right here. This painting is called Happy Little Accidents. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Can you pause that for a second? Can you pause the TikTok? I don't know if that's true. Dutch, how dare you? I have spent my whole life in Arkansas, and I have never seen anyone just go walking down the road with a chicken. <laughs> apparently that's something that goes down in your state so how <laughs> dare you sir <laughs> back to the video uh, <laughs> but happy what looks like a typical serene forest landscape actually looks eerily similar to this location this place is known as the devil's tree and the bodies of five females were found and buried here. Is this all just some strange coincidence, or was Bob Ross really a serial killer? Painting the locations of his victims for the world to see. Let's talk about the Bob Ross theory. Uh, well, I don't think Bob Ross was a serial killer, folks. I don't think Bob Ross was a serial killer. That's why I, uh... However. Never brought it up. However, there are real serial killers. That's a fun theory, though. I thought it was fun. Um, it is a good that time. video was that wrong. video was absolutely shit. Um, and I don't know how see, I don't know how factually accurate, you know. Some we of have these... Jersey cows, Dutch. Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Dutch guys is going hard on Arkansas. <laughs> cows are dicks. Uh... We have we have Jerseys. Okay, we got the Holsteins. We got the Jerseys. We even got some brown Swiss. Yeah, I think that was a lot of bullshit. Um, that was a lot of bullshittery. <sighs> oh, now, man. Now, let's talk about real serial killers. Let's, um, let's do it. Let's talk about them. This shit is real. Um, this is actually... Uh, hopefully, we won't get banned for this one. <laughs> oh, we probably will. Sorry, everybody. I, I hope not. Working this on an alternator it. and a forerunner, and they're not the easiest to get to, and I put a crick in my back. <laughs> Shout out to uh, InfoWars for this little video that we're about to play. <laughs> Info. I know a lot don't of people don't are old angry. Reservations about. Uh... Here we go. <clears throat> I immediately nope. See, immediately the reason. Immediately no on this guy. <laughs> so let me let me just. Let me just say this about the Bob Ross thing. I had heard about this conspiracy, not the Bob Ross one, the serial killer conspiracy a while ago. Yeah. And um, when I had heard that he was in the military and that allegedly some murders that had happened by that base were eerily similar to some of the paintings he did, I was like, oh, interesting. That's what led me to the... Um, to look into it a little bit 
And I was yeah. really hoping that video. I mean, he had me with the with the uh, with the artwork. I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. Maybe he's really tied it together. And he absolutely sure did did nothing to tie it together. He um, sure was just like, <laughs> uh, got y'all. And then now, after thinking about it, I was like, you know, on TikTok, you know, those aren't experts. You know what I mean? So they just talked about the devil's tree, and that five bodies were found there. Yeah, was that that wasn't even in Alaska? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Bob Ross was just a painter with a soft voice who happened to be in the military at the same base that a serial killer was. Hey, Scott. Rumor has it Mr. Rogers was actually a Navy SEAL sniper. That would be amazing. <laughs> I think. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Are you serious? I'm going to go. I'm 99% confident this is true. Also, any any time the CIA is involved, I don't trust them at all. So, okay, so it was just a rumor. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that was. Uh, I I should have did my due diligence and watched that video first, folks. <laughs> that did not help us out at all. But uh, there was a serial killer named Thomas Bunday. <laughs> Bunday. Kind of funny, but um, all right. Let's get into this one. This this video is gonna. Um, have a little bit more weight than the other one and that's why i'm so happy now that i didn't lean this whole episode on bob ross (laughs) good god i'm really glad you didn't go in on that one i did not go all in and i'm glad i didn't so let's uh that would have been embarrassing like having everybody watch 30 minutes of the video so (laughs) embarrassing we would could you imagine the traffic from youtube how much we i would have gotten roasted dude they would have been like this fucking idiot (laughs) oh bro my god bro I mean, but you bullet. know what? But you know what? They've been like co-host roasts other hosts for. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, we'd, we'd come out. We would come out okay because they'd be like, "Man, that guy got him. That guy Maybe. got him." I almost feel bad for him. <laughs> Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. And one of the topics that we've not yet covered in my fourth hour, although we have covered extensively MKUltra and the MKUltra projects, we haven't gone into any of the theories to where it might have been deployed, especially domestically in the U.S. So today we're going to look at a theory, which I think is plausible, at least in some of the cases of the famous serial killers. Now, true crime has, uh, for whatever reason, exploded all over the Internet, the, the hottest podcast on YouTube, millions of views. That's us. Our true crime <laughs> things, and typically, yeah. I know that uh, Alex Infowars doesn't focus on true crime, but it does relate to elite criminality because true crime can be a window into elite criminality. I like that term. The the modus I feel like this guy watches QAnon videos and, and reposts them as his own ideas. Kind of operate like Jeffrey Dahmer, or you know, some of these people. They they kind of have their own, more, maybe more high IQ, um, wealthier way to approach the issues of. He definitely has the rich underwear. Uh, human sacrifice, perhaps even. So we're going to look at some of the famous cases of the serial killers and look at some of the odd anomalies that pop up and some of the patterns that are not usually talked about in the mainstream. Now, everybody knows that the, the, the sort of mainstream profile of a serial killer is the, oh, he's a, a nerdy white dude who's, you know, <laughs> 35 years old and he lives at home and he's an incel and he doesn't have any friends and... He uh, is mad at his mom, and he's got a 
he's got to fight back against the system by going after prostitutes. And so he has a, a type and he always follows the pattern of a certain type of this and that. But is that really the case? Is that is that the the reality of what serial killers are? Is there an aspect of media manipulation to create the idea of there being serial killers everywhere, especially back in the time period of the the 70s and the 80s, right? Right when we're getting into that, right around the same time of when the satanic panic emerges, and some of the serial killers actually did sort of figure into the satanic panic, uh, particularly with Geraldo's famous uh, um, series on it that helped spark that that fear. Uh, in the case of in Geraldo's case, Bobby Bardella. Now let's consider is there such a thing is there is there a reality to the possibility of programs assassin programs government programs that could be similar to serial killers is there anything like that, any evidence that we have of that well actually there are quite a few evidence uh, pieces of evidence that prove this the first of which is a, a, a canadian journalist all the way back in 2002 uh, named doug saunders and writing for uh, the globe and mail writing for mainstream canadian publications he figured out, hey, wait a minute, there's actually a pattern to a lot of serial killers where they seem to have had some degree of serious military training, uh, perhaps even assassin training. And that's something that not many people have talked about. Now, I'm not trying to knock everybody in the military, so don't, don't misunderstand me here. But this is something that, again, people have begun to notice. So there's the Doug Saunders 2002 piece where he noticed that. And right around that same time, or actually before that, the, the first person to really uh, – uh, key into this was the famous writer Maury Terry, who was a, an investigator into the Son of Sam case. He was known as kind of the expert uh, on the Son of Sam. And he had always uh, positive for, especially after, uh, you know, the, the, the case of Berkowitz had, had basically been settled, that there were other accomplices and then it connected to a larger uh, occult and satanic network. And if you don't know, of course, uh, some months back, Netflix did a whole series, Sons of Sam. And the idea was, oh, what are we really going to see here? I, when I was watching this, I expected, oh, here's another whitewash. They're going to, we're going to whitewash this whole thing, and we have to say, oh, it's not really a conspiracy. But ironically, even though there was a couple episodes in there out of the five or so that they put out, that kind of attempted to make Maury Terry look bad. In the end, overall, it kind of vindicated Maury Terry's research. And if you don't know, he put out the famous book Ultimate Evil, alleging. Again, higher-level cults, cults that connected Manson and Berkowitz and people in the UK, uh, the Process Church, the Process Magazine, where key connects for those two figures. And even in the Process Church, we have a connection to the figure of Jimmy Savile. Savile wrote and did uh, interviews and articles for the Process Magazine in the UK. Now, these are I think this is very telling because we know, uh, we know that uh, Savile had connects to uh, a couple serial killers as well. That, that happened to just be his friends, right? Peter Sutcliffe and the, the Moore killers. Uh, so odd uh, companions there for people that um, are, are operating at such a high level. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get back into the serial killers on the Alex Jones Show. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jason Analysis. We're talking about true crime and serial killers. And what does this have to do with elite psychopathy, the Great Reset? Well, we're going to see that the attitude of a lot of these people, the higher level connections that they have might suggest that much more is going on than the profile of the lone nut serial killer, the obsessive incel. Back in 1975, a uh, report came out in European news, and this was unfortunately something that appeared to leak 
and it was about the Navy and uh, Dr. Thomas Nerud, who was in charge of a program in the Navy to uh, profile and train serial killers and to use them as assassins. And you can find this. It came out. It was uh, Navy denies that it uh, trains assassins. But then, of course, it admits in the article that, oh, actually, they do. <laughs> so, so don't be fooled by the headline there because – uh, there was more to that and some really uh, other interesting cases that are lesser known that are similar to this would be the the case of the italian uh servants of the satanic sect that the guardian reported uh, reported on uh the the police raided them back in the 90s you can find um in the irish times uh, articles like this where they were raided this is a very uh famous case because it came out in the guardian and it, and it turns out that the, this sect uh, had tie-ins to the Dutro affair, which is one of the most famous uh, Belgian cases where you had uh, women being per uh, persecuted and put into dungeons and whatnot, and he seemed to be the procurer. And in that case, it, it went up to the highest levels of the Belgian government, included Roman Catholic clergy, uh, people from NATO. It was it was. We're going to look into him on one of our episodes of Serial Killers. Marching the streets over there. Right. He did have now, some interesting connections. What, is there anything else that might suggest this? Well, it turns out in the Phoenix program, uh, which was, again, a book that I've lectured on and covered recently. So many post <laughs> uh, within So a, many. Within the first hundred pages, Look at all the books above his head. He's... Some of the specifics. <laughs> Could you imagine if they uh, weren't even marking anything important? He's just like, it makes me Phoenix look smarter. involved in Vietnam, and it literally involved the training of uh, Navy SEALs and people from other uh, units and, and attachments. I'm not trying to go after just the Navy SEALs or say that everybody in Vietnam was bad. What they really tried to do is pick out and profile, it appears, the most psychopathic and the most uh, the people most oriented towards being a potential serial killer. And so they would indoctrinate them and teach them, for example, the look. Is that far-fetched at all to you, that the military would – you know, obviously do um, these mental health examinations and the people that they found to be psychopathic and psychopaths that they're like, we'll just set his name on this list right here. <laughs> oh, no, not doesn't surprise me at all. Right. Be completely honest, not even a little bit. Local occult beliefs in this case. And Valentine says that from the different groups that were uh, recruited, some of the SEAL comrades and CTs were taught the secrets of Psy War. Uh, this meant exploring and exploiting superstitions, myths, and the religious beliefs of the indigenous Vietnamese. Our technique, one technique, was based on the Buddhist belief that a person cannot enter heaven if his liver is intact. And so various members of this program, uh, especially those uh, near the Ho Chi Minh Trail, would sneak into the VCI's hooch at night, crush the man's larynx, and then use a dagger to remove his liver. Some of these uh, individuals would also devour the enemy's organs. And it goes on to talk about uh, some of the symbolism they would do when they would uh, dismember the Viet Cong. Would, uh, they would put it into a kind of a, a cult symbol. Again, reminiscent of you know, smearing the blood, putting an all-seeing eye, because the uh, Vietnamese Buddhists had a, a reverence for the third eye, the all-seeing eye. And so they would utilize this as a cyborg technique, according to uh, Valentine. And this mutilation then had a, a powerful psychological effect on the population of the Viet Cong. Now, I'm not pro-communist, so I'm not I'm not citing this as some you know way to say oh uh, America was a, a you know totally evil or we're all the bad guys. I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out that 
this is a, apparently a uh, a real technique that was used in training these profiled potential and actual serial killers in the case of Vietnam. And it, in fact, it even goes on to say that this eye of God symbolism assumed its mysterious counter espionage qualities through the myth of the eternal cycle. The eye of God was the symbol of the Cao Day sect, and it included saints like Confucius, Buddha, Joan of Arc, and others. So there was this weird uh, all-seeing eye sect that was popular in Vietnam. And when the uh, agent, agents of the Phoenix program would, would do these techniques, they were able to utilize the cannibalism, the dismemberment, smearing the blood and whatnot, because uh, it actually had this tremendous effect on the indigenous population. Now, if the theory is, is true or even plausible or even possibly true that uh, Dave McGowan puts forward in his book, Program to Kill, uh, that he covers the possibility that the Phoenix program could have been something bigger than that and that could have been book. utilized and David McGowan. when these people came back. He's the one I was researching similar types for this of theory. Operations. And remember, yeah. we covered in multiple books on the yeah. history of the Vietnam War this that legit. Vietnam War appears to have been kind of intentionally lost because what it did was help to erode U.S. morale. It helped to make America look like a bad guy. It was a, a never-ending sort of... Um, uh, drug problem that, that, that sort of a, a never ending cycle of drugs being shipped in and out uh, uh, from that region to the U.S. And so that there's different angles and levels to it. It was the first war where they really rolled out AI, uh, drone warfare. And again, it's not to say that the Viet Cong were good guys. I don't think there's a good guy, bad guy here. Rather, that our focus is on the R&D done in. Vietnam and how that could have then been used in the future for future Psy War campaigns and programs, especially domestically. So what about serial killers? Why is it, for example, that we seem to see this explosion of serial killers in the 70s and 80s? That was like their heyday. And yes, a couple guys up into the 90s, a BTK, right? A couple people in the 90s and 2000s. Um, Israel Keys uh, uh, is another one of more recent note. And yes, there have been some uh, serial killers in the last couple of decades, but they seem to really have their attention, their, their, their media uh, focus and explosion and exposure during those time periods. And particularly in, in many, many cases, we have people in Vietnam, in, in the Vietnam war who ended up being serial killers. I mean, there's a striking number. I'm going to list them here in a minute. I've got them all listed of how many of them ended up in, uh, Vietnam. Now, do we know if uh, they were all, you know, in the Phoenix program? No, I don't. I don't know that. But what we're going to look at, especially with the the Israel character, there is that many of these people are explicitly into Satanism, especially that guy, especially Berkowitz, especially uh, uh, Richard Ramirez. Okay, and a lot of people don't know this about Dahmer either. And these are going to be interesting notes to make because you don't usually hear this in the media, but they don't talk about the real patterns of a serial killer, the real profile. There's this public kind of FBI profile that, you know, again, oh, it's just the, uh, you know, the mainline uh, uh, weird uh, loner. But actually, that's not the case. In fact, a lot of them end up having accomplices. A lot of them are into the occult. In fact, the majority of them are. So we're going to look at the real profile. But here is uh, the list of the most notable serial killers especially of the 70s and 80s, who had military training and or Vietnam training and experience. The BTK killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, David Berkowitz, Richard Williams, John Muhammad, Gary uh, 
uh, Ridwang, Ridway, Ridgeway, excuse me, uh, Ray Norris, Charles Whitman, Leonard Lake, Arthur Shawcross, Charles Ng, Anthony Soule, Dean Coral, Dennis Nelson, Gary Heidnick, Robert Lee Yates, Richard Allen Davis, Timothy McVeigh, Randy Kraft, and I imagine we could keep going on and on, especially if we begin to McVeigh uh, wasn't a factor in not killer. just, just alone serial murderer. killers, but the serial killers who ran cults, like the uh, the Jim Jones types. I, I, don't, I don't recall if Jim Jones was in, in any kind of military uh, association, but he did have uh, CIA connections in regard to what went down in the Jonestown massacre. And in fact, uh, if you can find on Bandai Video, um, Harrison over uh, American Journal did a really uh, in-depth dive deep dive into the the deep state connections to um to jonestown so i highly recommend that if you haven't seen that but remember there is the office of naval intelligence program to use killers and their mind behavioral modification for their mind control programs under uh dr thomas narrut who then said no that doesn't exist even though it does so he admits it at a nato conference in uh, naples italy in oslo that's the article i mentioned earlier and, uh, you know, yeah, there's a uh, McVeigh, for example, who clearly appears to have been a sheep dip character who was uh, uh, pinned with the OKC incident. But there's also the case, too, uh, that we uncovered recently, uh, if you if you listen to my talks on MKUltra, where John Marks had an essay back in the 80s where he had discovered that John Gittinger, the origin uh, of the personality profile, you know, diagram, Gittinger himself had also been involved in a CIA program to recruit sickos, pedos, and psychos. So keep that in mind. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. This is Jay that was Dyer. the guy who uh, you can find my work. Mine Hunter was based well on at my website. Okay, I'm okay. almost to 100,000. If you want to subscribe over my YouTube channel, help me get to 100,000. If you like what you hear today, I do all kinds of podcasts like this, talks, lectures. There's almost a thousand talks and lectures and most of them are not dated so you can always go back and watch the movie reviews you can watch the lectures on philosophy and geopolitics religion debates and even this crazy true crime stuff like the serial killer conspiracy is there something to this is it possible well what are the precedents for this well we saw the phoenix program in vietnam we've seen uh, some of the other programs mentioned i mentioned dr john gittinger and his uh, uh recruitment of hobos dishwashers and pervs and psychopaths to be part of a, a CIA program that was part of MKUltra that we don't know a whole lot about, but we do know that there was a program where he was studying them and their proclivities and how to manipulate and control people on the basis of their weaknesses and their obsessions and their sicknesses, right? This kind of stuff. Now, what about other cases where you've heard me mention uh, that there might be precedent for this as well? Well, um, what about Murder, Inc.? Does anybody remember that the mafia at one time had a gigantic guild of, in, at one point, a couple hundred, maybe 300 killers that they could call upon at any time to uh, be a contract uh, killing situation? So I mean, John it's, Wick it's a is famous thing of. known as Murder, Inc. And by the way, some of these people didn't just work with organized crime, as we've covered in the past. Many I cases where uh, U.S. intelligence, <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, foreign intelligence, where they would actually contract killings out to organized crime so that it didn't get back to the U.S. or the, the intelligence agencies or the government who wanted the assassination done. So in other words, if we were looking for motives or means or the purposes for the usage of like a cult, 
one of those would be something like to have somebody taken care of, right? So rather than it being a hit that the CIA or something does, well, it ends up, oh, it's, that was just some crazy cult leader. That was just some crazy guy, uh, you know, lone nut out there as part Wake of up. some satanic cult, when in fact there was a, another purpose for that. And, and in fact, more recently, um, authors famous, well, you've probably seen Tom O'Neill on Sam Tripoli's podcast or over on Joe Rogan's podcast. You know, he put out a book recently about Manson, uh, you know, chaos and Manson in the 60s and the connections that have eventually mer emerged about the CIA's connections to Manson. And again, that's relevant because of the high-level connections that are emerging still in regard to Berkowitz via the Process Church, via the Hollywood uh, elite that that Manson oddly seemed to be running around, the circles he was running with. And also people like a guy named Tico, T-E-K-O, who was a, a CIA-slash-OSS assassin who uh, was intimately connected to a lot of the Hollywood crowds. And so this also connects to drug, drug running, this is an angle that a lot of people don't know about or talk about in regard to Manson that has just more, more recently uh, become uh, clear. And so that's very, uh, made uh, adamantly clear in uh, even the first four chapters of O'Neill's book. But that was something that a lot of people had theorized for a long time. And again, it vindicates what uh, Maury Terry had been writing about so many decades ago in his uh, book, Ultimate Evil. So let's think about some of the... Uh, um, occult serial killers that you may not know about. Now, probably everybody has heard, oh, uh, Richard Ramirez, right? The Night Stalker, you know, he's famously shown with that uh, pentagram on his hand, right? So uh, yeah, okay, sure. In that case, uh, there was one uh, serial killer who was into Satanism and the occult. Well, most of the really prominent ones have this element in their ethos and their symbology and their uh, voices or whatever is going on. Uh, as a pretty consistent pattern. For example, the Son of Sam, we know about uh, the, the, the family uh, cult, the process church that he was involved in. There was uh, connected to Son of Sam Berkowitz during, uh, near, nearby where they were doing their rituals, the Untermeyer Gardens, in a sort of an underground facility where they had found uh, sacrificed dogs where there had been witchcraft uh, uh, symbols drawn there. Pretty clearly that comes up in the Sons of Sam documentary, even admitted to be the case. Uh, in the case of Zodiac Killer, again, one of the most famous serial killer cases, we have very clear Gnostic and Satanic imagery and symbolism used. We have astro astrological symbolism uh, and, uh, and perhaps even Crowleyan symbolism with OTO. It's, it's kind of debated as to what uh, his symbols meant. In regard to Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, not many people know this, but Dahmer had actually sketched out a Satanic altar that he was going to build when he had finished however many skulls he wanted to to kill, right? So he had actually had this altar sketched out with uh, skulls that lined the altar and they sort of, this like a blue orb that would hang down and he called it his altar of power. And I dug up a really old interview. Uh, it was it was an old uh, news piece that had come out right around the time that the, the, that the Dahmer stuff came out back in the, the 90s. And uh, it was just a rare, really obscure uh, thing where they, he had mentioned that he saw himself as some kind of uh, something like an indigenous high priest or a shaman. And so he seemed to have this view that if he could eat uh, his victims, there it is. That's, uh, that's, his, that's his actual sketch there. Those are the skulls. Um, 
That's his power altar. And he seemed to feel like that he could draw a, a esoteric and occult power from this. In the case of Dahmer, this is odd because a lot of people couldn't find any clear occult connections, at least back in the 90s and the 2000s. But then turns out, um, more recently, people have dug up old archived local news reports right when this happened. And at least two of the neighbors, uh, in the case of Dahmer, one uh, a boomer dude with a mustache who's out there mowing, they interview him uh, while he's mowing. <laughs> he says, uh, yeah, I walked back in the woods where uh, you know the, the Dahmer house was, and I, I found ritual uh, paraphernalia in a ritual setting where they had burned out a circle and they had a, a, a dog's head and a crucified dog body. Uh, other cases or other situations, uh, Dahmer would do the same thing where he would um, decapitate and or crucify uh, a squirrel. Now, again, very odd. Who has even heard about this, right? Dahmer's high school prom date, right? This uh, sort of portly young woman that he took to prom, she said, when I went over there to hang out with him, uh, he wanted to engage in seances, Ouija board, and this kind of stuff. And she says, I ran out of there because I just got creeped out. So none of nobody ever talks about this in regard to Dahmer. These are it's, it, things that don't really pop up very much. And, and, and you've heard me mention this before, but a fascinating case with Dahmer as well is that when he was stationed in Germany um, for his brief military service, he was only about 20 minutes away from where another uh, infamous and even worse serial killer, Gary Heidnick, was stationed around the same, roughly the same time Ross. period. Uh, oddly, <laughs> oddly that they were you know, stationed right next to each other in Germany. Um, and this seems to produce these serial killers, right? I don't know why, but uh, Dahmer was investigated for the German uh, unsolved uh, female murders as well that had occurred. And then there how was many people know that? I don't know how legitimate it is. They left that out of the that's out there on Netflix the internet series. that appears to show sure a high-level general squashing, squashing this issue on the part of the German government looking into Dahmer as a possible suspect. So that's another interesting also, Dahmer right. seemed to have a very fascinating obsession with the movie Exorcist 3. Uh, reportedly, he was he would just sit and rock back and forth in his apartment watching this VHS over and over and over. And if you don't know, that's, of course, about the Gemini killer, a serial killer who is demonically possessed by a demon. Uh, I think he goes by the name Gemini. Now, uh, you might think that's the only cases. No, no, there's uh, actually uh, another 20 or so more serial killers who have satanic and occult connections, which we will look at when we get back from this break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Alex Jones. So we're looking at the uh, odd connections. Wasn't a break at all. Pressed information in regard to serial killers and the possibility that they could have been, in many cases, linked to government projects, to satanic cults, to contract killings, organized crime, things that are not usually talked about in regard to the lone nut. Now, keep in mind, too, when it comes to assassins, right? Sirhan Sirhan or, or a, a Levi Oswald, guy. we're often told that they're, oh, they're just lone nuts. And I think that for most people, that narrative is kind of broken down. I think most people pretty much kind of doubt that normie, old-school, official narrative when it comes to, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald or Sirhan Sirhan and and now we tend to think, no, there's probably something else going on. I mean, you, you just don't have these high-profile cases typically being lone nuts. Well, uh, is it really that much of a stretch to think that maybe in the case of some serial killers, at least, it's also not lone nuts? And so right now we're going through the list of serial killers who have a, a, an occult, satanic type of connection. 
and we just mentioned Dahmer. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but in regard to Ted Bundy, and this was a little more speculative, but in the case of Ted Bundy, there were other uh, killers that had been arrested and interviewed. Uh, in one case, Mad Dog McKenna, who appeared to have clearly have been an organized crime-connected serial killer. That was at least one of his claims, is that he was a, uh, a contract killer as well as a satanic cult leader for Santos Traficante, the famous uh, organized crime figure. And in, in, in the case of many interviews with him, um, he claimed that Bundy was actually part of the same uh, network of satanic cults and that they would at times be contracted out to do hits. Now, again, we can't always believe serial killers because many of them, well, most of them, unless they're completely you know, mind-controlled or whatever, they're narcissistic liars. So they will oftentimes hype up and you know, uh, uh, they want to have the highest you know, kill list, uh, kill numbers or whatever. So we can't always believe them. But in some cases, it has turned out where things that they claimed for many years were actually true. For example, Henry Lee Lucas claimed that he was part of a satanic cult that had kind of raised him the hand of death cult. And he, he actually talked about places where you would find bodies. And this turned out to be true, right? Uh, if I recall, they connected to the Matamoros cult, which was another big famous case where, yes, there was a satanic cult that was involved in human sacrifice and this connected to what lucas talked about and there were really were bodies where he said there would be in the in, in, in the case of uh john wayne gacy uh gacy for many many years said he had accomplices and that he was not the only guy you know luring in people and and killing them did you know about and that it has turned out that uh, even heard that mainstream one, no. news wgn has recently in the last year or two uh, reported on the fact that there does appear to be clear evidence that Gacy had accomplices, and particularly one of the accomplices that's most relevant in regard to Gacy was that he was part of a network of um, underage PRON, if you know what I mean, right? Uh, he was connected to a guy, John David Norman, who worked with a guy named Paskey, and Paskey was the associate working with Gacy. So John David Norman at that time in the 70s and 80s was the most prolific underage young man porn kind of person putting this putting this material out, and then he gets busted. Uh, but his note uh, cards he had the famously these, these the collections of note cards of high profile people where he sold his materials to. What do you know? The note cards all happened to disappear. But what's interesting oh, is that the familiar. connections between Paskey and John David Norman and John Wayne Gacy have now been confirmed. That that actually was the case. That is true. So what that suggests is networks, higher level connections, which many of the serial killers had actually talked about, including Berkowitz, including Gacy. But a lot of people said, "Oh, well, you can't, you know, believe them because they're, you know, crazy killers." Well, maybe, but not everything that they say is false. And so it's entirely possible in the case of Bundy, uh, again, oddities in the case of Bundy, escaping from police and prison twice, police custody, prison. I mean, might have a little uh, aid from, from the inside <laughs> to, to be able to do that twice in a row. I mean, unless he's just like super slick, right? He's like the most genius slick guy ever. <laughs> to me, it seems <clears throat> implausible unless there is perhaps a police help and in the case of Gacy that's he was a uh, a uh, uh, what do you call it when you're like a, a a volunteer cop I don't know what the term is but but he but he was part of law enforcement so one of the ways that he was able to uh, get away with a lot of his crimes for so long was that he had this inside police level uh, connection 
not saying all the police are serial killers they're all doing this but in many cases in the serial killer cases there do at times appear to be uh police corruption and police uh, assistance and or cover-ups on the part of uh, some of the police and this was actually something that we do see uh, in the uh, uh gacy case uh, in regard to henry lee lucas we see similar situations where lucas appeared to have had protection on the part of the cops uh, one thing that's odd about the Henry Lee Lucas case uh, is that the number of people that he claimed and that the police said he did is almost humanly impossible. So whether that was a protected uh, contract killing situation with Henry Lee Lucas or whether that was something that they were just trying to uh, clear up, uh, uh, cover up a bunch of old cases and just pin it on that uh, crazy old guy, who knows? But again, that satanic cult connection there is, is clearly there with Henry, Henry Lee Lucas and has been confirmed. Now, in the case of Richard Ramirez, probably the most famous of the open Satanist killers, he appears to have been introduced to the uh, Satanic stuff via, I think, his cousin or his uncle who was in Vietnam and was in some degree a Satanist. This allowed Richard Ramirez, oddly enough, to meet Anton LaVey uh, back in the 80s, 70s or 80s. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but the more recent uh, BTK killer, who appeared to have been a humble evangelical Lutheran elder uh, adamant and active in his local boy scouts and church i think he was part of the neighborhood watch so not full law enforcement but part of the neighborhood watch um he later admitted no uh, actually he and again we can't always believe what they say but he claimed to have been possessed by two spirits that he was very uh, aware of uh, one demon named batter and one named factor x so a lot of people don't know that but he claimed to have been involved in, in, in some degree of demonic possession. Um, whether he was an occultist, I don't know. But one thing is that, that, that a lot of people don't look at either is that the serial killers, for the most part, they all do art. Right? So there's this, this weird underground thing uh, where serial killers sell their art to fans. I think this is all sick and disgusting. But um, if you look at BTK's artwork, he actually puts quite a bit of – uh, uh, zodiac type symbolism um esoteric symbolism it's always in many cases very uh, psychedelic uh, why that is i don't know it could be the law of the serial killers were um experimenting with lsd uh, in many cases we do know that for example uh son of sam had done lsd you know there, there you see um i think that's that's btk killer art there always very trippy very psychedelic and at times he will put uh, mandala symbolism in there and he'll put astrological symbols in there um and again he claims again yes they can lie you know they can try to get out of the guilt oh i'm a mpd did uh, i'm not guilty um and maybe they are maybe they are i don't know right uh, maybe they are possessed right any, any of these things are possible uh probably one of the worst though that people don't know about is the david parker ray the toy box killer who would uh, sort of take in women that he found off the streets, and he would uh, – I, I, I'm not going to say what he did, but it was very nasty. It was one of the worst. But he also claimed to be part of a small uh, satanic sect. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to look up his drawings and artwork because it's pretty gross, but you could clearly see that in the drawings and artwork that he did. Um, Herb Baumeister is an odd guy, and, and there, there were bones found strewn throughout his yard at his, this big farm that he had, he had purchased – uh, yeah, there you go. That's uh, Toy Box Killer's uh, thing there. And then in regard to Herb Baumeister, uh, there were pentagrams and inverted crosses drawn nearby on the barns where he had done his uh, murders. 
in regard to, uh, I think this is in Chicago, the Ripper Crew, a famous uh, serial killer group of four guys. They were also a small uh, satanic sect, and they were engaged in cannibalism. Dutroux affair, as we mentioned before, that clearly had satanic connections. That's mentioned in the uh, Irish Times and the Guardian uh, that I, I mentioned earlier. The Monster of Florence, Italy, a serial killer there who was a satanic cult connected guy. Uh, the cannibal Armin uh, Myvice was uh, into the occult Satanism. Israel Keys, as we said, was into that. And uh, Order of the Solar Temple. I just did a talk over on Rockfin, on my Rockfin channel. Uh, did a whole talk on the Order of the Solar Temple, another satanic suicide cult. Welcome back to the Alice Jones Show. This is Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. We were going through the list of serial killers with satanic and or occult connections and beliefs and I'd mentioned Israel Keys, uh, who was uh, more recent and, and pretty prominent in terms of open Satanism uh, and his belief in magic and you know, sort of taking on the power of the victims through, uh, you know, uh, occult practices. And, and there was other serial killers as well. Uh, Adriana, Adrian Lima, or excuse me, Adrian, Adrian Lim, uh, Sean Sellers. There is the case of the Order of the Solar Temple, which I just mentioned, which was a, a Canadian... French Swiss Switzerland uh, based cult which was prominent in the 90s because they were kind of like Heaven's Gate a mass suicide cult so you notice this weird pattern of uh, Jonestown Heaven's Gate Order of the Solar Temple who uh, had drawn heavily from Crowley uh, from uh, the, the Golden Dawn to create this gr gradation of a new uh, graded uh, degrees in terms of a new Templar cult so the Order of the Solar Temple was this uh, attempt at re resurrecting medieval Templarism, and they were also an end times cult, which believed that they would have to commit infant sacrifice to stop the Antichrist from being born. Now, that's all, you know, pretty wild, but as we often see with a lot of these cults, you look at Osho and the, the documentary uh, about his cult that was famous on Netflix a few years ago. It turns out other things seem to be going on there, such as high-level arms trafficking and money laundering, which usually connects to intelligence and organized crime. And, of course, that's what we see with the Order of the Solar Temple as well, that their cult was also involved in pretty high-level money laundering and arms trafficking. Um, another case that's very important uh, of recent note is the North, uh, the North Fox Island case and the executives from uh, some prominent uh, automobile corporations. Now, this is not a recent case, but recently come to light in regard to the, the satanic and Epstein-style connections at the North Fox Islands. This seems to be a children's retreat from the 70s, and that's up in, like, the Michigan, you know, Finger Lakes area or whatever. And you had these people who were engaged in high-level compromise-style operations uh, where they were filming it, where there was a full-on satanic uh, ritual abuse going on. And this has come out uh, in regard to recent famous podcast series that you may or may not have heard of if you're inter interested in this stuff called The Clown and the Candyman. And that was really where this connection between, uh, I think his name is Dean Coral. He's the Candyman, a Texas-based serial killer who uh, operated in a very similar way to what Gacy did in terms of the BDSM elements, uh, BTK elements, right? But in the case of uh, uh, Dean Coral, he had ties to uh, uh, figures, I, I can't remember if it was Paskey, but in the same way it connected to, to Gacy, right? Because they were doing the same types of stuff. So we have a connection between Gacy, the Candyman, uh, and uh, to uh, John David Norman. 
and there's connections in the Clown and Candyman installments, about seven or eight installments of this very in-depth podcast that connects it to the North Fox Island case and the satanic elements of the uh, elite executives that were being flown out to those to those islands and retreats. Uh, also, as we mentioned, another uh, high-profile case, uh, the uh, Myra Hindley and the uh, Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, all happened to be BFF with Jimmy Savile. So uh, a lot of theories and speculations over the years that Jimmy Savile was also involved in murders, um, not just a, a creeper pedo and a necrophiliac, but perhaps also involved, because he was openly close friends with these famous serial killers, who uh, themselves had a witch cult. right? So they were known to have a, a witch cult. And a couple other cases that could be mentioned, as we said, uh, the satanic panic picked up in, uh, in part due to you know Geraldo's uh, uh, series where he was covering you know satanic murderers and he did a he did a, a, a focus on Bobby Berdella but it turns out Bobby Berdella actually was in some de degree seeing himself as a sex cult leader now I don't recall how satanic it was he had this uh, oddity shop where he sold Bobby's bizarre Berdella or some Bordello or something like that. And in, in the case uh, of, of his stuff, he had like, you know, shrunken skulls and then people debate whether that was real or what. But turns out that uh, he had this sort of BDSM sex cult where he was the head of the cult and he was locking people up, imprisoning them. And the house ended up stinking up. And there, there were uh, occult symbols and things connected to Bobby Bordella. So I would say in, in the case of Bobby Bordella, even though Geraldo might have sensationalized it, it seems like it really was there. There was something to that in regard to the Satanism and the cult. So. What I want to talk about now, because there's a lot more information, you can go really deep with a lot of this stuff. For example, um, I just heard recently that I didn't even know that Sirhan Sirhan um, was connected to the process cult, right? I, I knew that he had connections and interests in Rosicrucianism and that he claims that he was um, mind-controlled and, and dissociative in a dissociative state because he doesn't remember supposedly what happened that day. Again, who knows if that's the case or not? He could be lying. We don't know. But what is interesting is that he also seems to have had uh, times where he would attend the process church meetings. So here we have again, process church connecting, not just to Berkowitz, not just to, because Berkowitz is involved in a, a shoot off of process, which was the family. Um, and then we, we, that's connected to Savile via the magazine process, which by the way, Charles Manson wrote articles for. So Manson was literally writing articles for the Process Church magazine where Savile was writing articles and being interviewed at the same time as the Process split-offs. And by the way, the Process Church was a split-off of Scientology, started by a guy named Robert de Grimston, who was himself this sort of Luciferian satanic figure who had, uh, if I recall, been involved in some pedo stuff and had left the Roman Catholic priesthood studying for that priesthood to start this this cult of his own and it had these really uh, you know degrees and gradations it was a very elaborate structure to the cult that he and i think his wife had started had started in the uk they brought it over here yeah there's the process obviously he's trying to look like jesus and the weird thing about process is that the philosophy of this cult was this manson philosophy it was this idea that we're going to instantiate the apocalypse through the occult process and that Jesus and Satan are the same. They're like flip sides of the same coin, 
this is probably where Manson got that weird, I'm God and the devil, I'm Jesus, and I'm loose for all at once, I'm in your mind, right? When he, that's literally the Manson philosophy, right? And that's the philosophy of this cult. We know that Manson had an interest in this because, again, he there's a there's an article he wrote for the magazine. Why is Manson Southern? I'm just <laughs> so uh, that also connects again to Sirhan Sirhan, which I didn't even know that until fairly recently. So there's always these you know these new interesting fascinating details that pop up in regard to these serial killers, and a lot of stuff newly emerges. Right again, Maury Terry's a lot of his research has been vindicated in regard to a, a Netflix documentary of all things. I mean, that's, that's the last place I would have expected there to be any vindication, but uh, somehow, amazingly, uh, right, the, um, the Maury Terry suspicions, for example, about uh, who had committed the occult murder of Arliss Perry, uh, that turned out to be correct. At the end of the documentary, they, you know, they, uh, if I recall, they bust the guy who, who uh, Maury Terry had theorized had done that. And uh, curiously enough, that guy had a copy of Maury Terry's book. Interesting. So the serial killer, killer patterns, let's look at the real patterns that, that I've noticed, contrary to what supposedly the normie mainstream official narrative, just like the normie mainstream official narrative of normie. lone gunmen, right? <laughs> normie. normie. different when it comes to serial killers. Uh, serial killers sometimes have a messiah complex where they see themselves as gods or savior figures of the human race and that their actions are actually ritual actions that will heal or, or change the world. Not in every case. In many cases, they're actually filming it, and they seem to have accomplices, which could su suggest something more than just a murder. It could su suggest a contract killing or SNUFF types of operations. A lot of times they have connections to organized crime, which is not often admitted or highlighted. In many cases, they are uh, people who were traumatized and abused and in some way, obviously, relationships with their parents were, were uh, difficult, but they might have also had sexual ritual abuse in their youth. They seem to, in many cases, have high-level international and powerful connections, which is odd, given that they're typically weirdo oddballs. Why do we have John Wayne Gacy hanging out with uh, Rose Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife? Why do we have Jeffrey Dahmer being able to call up Walter Mondale, I think, or he calls the vice president's office and gets his whole class taken into the vice president's office. That's, that's an odd thing for a random weirdo kid to do. Many of them have MPD or DID. Many of them are connected to drug trafficking rings. Many of them have, as we said, high-level military or uh, assassin training. Look up Wayne hey, Williams. There's a whole interview where Wayne Williams says, uh, well, I was... <clears throat> So he's saying he doesn't understand how these guys got in because he's calling them weirdos. The only yeah. reason these guys are considered weirdos now is because they got found out to be cannibalistic serial killers. That's true. <laughs> well, Before a lot of them were, were socially awkward <laughs> as well, kids. Well, I mean, also several of them, like sure. John Wayne Gacy, Dahmer, mm -hmm. yeah. um, Bundy, a lot of them were very charming individuals. Oh, yeah, sure. That had hardly any issues getting into decent social standing. Oh, well, they're so, so it's, they're, they're manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're genius. So I would, I would venture to say that some of them are very, very smart. I know Ted Bundy was pretty smart from what I understand. Oh, I'm sure all of them are highly educated um, for the most part. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so him to just like kind of downplay it that saying they were all just weirdos and yeah. I mean, <laughs> incels and everything. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. that's over. That's an oversimplification of, uh, of the agree. issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, he's 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 putting out a lot of stuff I didn't know mm-hmm. for sure. But what I'm saying is like the fact that he's like just downplaying it. Like, these guys were just weirdos that yeah. worshipped the occult. No, I mean these guys were intelligent. Oh. I mean, were they socially awkward? Sure, but I mean, who isn't socially awkward at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of these guys were charming. A lot of these guys were smart. A lot of these guys sure. were just genuinely perceived as intelligent, down to earth, uh, great guys. You know what I mean? That's why it was so easy for them to get their victims because they could just charm their way in with the victim. It's yeah. not like they were just snatching and grabbing these folks. I mean. Yeah. Bundy got a little desperate and tried a couple of snatch and grabs. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, he did, and, uh, and that's what ultimately led to him getting caught. Was he tried? To, he started shifting to snatch and grabs uh-huh. instead of charming his way in at first because he panicked and get desperate. So I mean, I don't know, man. Like I said, he's putting out great info. I'm not, I'm not dogging this guy. I was making fun of him at the beginning, but I'm not dogging this guy. It's just he's over. Like I just want to put this out there for anybody listening. He is oversimplifying the situation. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but all right, he, let's wrap this. Let's, he could have. Uh, if you got thoughts, go ahead. No, he could have. Uh, he added a little bit too much in there. I think he was trying to bolster his theory that they were all. You know what I mean? He could have just yeah, left I mean, that part out. <laughs> no, I mean, Inf- now Infowars is kind of known for. Oh yeah. Once they got a but once they got a bone, they're hard on it. But, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's just interesting the connections that these people have to cults. Um, you know, crime, crime, uh, syndicates, things like that. Uh, very interesting. Trained as part of a youth, uh, CIA program, but I'm not supposed to talk about that. Now, again, he could be lying. These people do lie, but maybe he's not lying. Oftentimes these uh, networks are connected to, uh, human trafficking. As we mentioned, the, the occult and satanic elements, um, we find out that they don't often have uh, ideal victims. In many cases, the victims are all over the board, which could suggest, again, uh, contract killing or ritual killing. Sometimes the murders do occur on uh, important occult ritual days or solstices. Um, a lot of times they also are part of the long-term prison mind control complex, and many of them are killed in prison, which could suggest covering up the truth getting out. Please. Or prison justice. All of you out there watching and listening. Remember how creating with BlackRock just select parts of the two years have saved a lot of money. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, there's a... We might have to dive a little bit deeper sometime into um, David McGowan and his, uh, his theories and his book, because it's super... It's super interesting. That was basically like a, um, like an overview. Yeah. But, uh, oh, for sure. I mean, it looks super interesting. I, I really look forward to getting into that stuff and doing that research. Um, I do have a question for Aaron though. He's looking for the uh, chaos book about Manson, but it's banned where they're at. Can someone buy it like somewhere else and ship it to you, or do they go through y'all's packages? I don't know how it works in countries that ban stuff. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, we ban things, but. Yeah, uh, we'll look into Program to Kill by David McGowan. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's super interesting. It, it, basically, what it is, is kind of what we just watched. He analyzes a lot of the serial killers that we all know, and he focuses on um, similarities 
that uh, aren't really that known to the public. Um, and basically alludes to the fact that there's something else going on. Um, I've researched it a little bit and it, it definitely felt like there could be uh, some legit shit there. But again, you know, yeah. you're talking about, oh, well, these serial killers, you know, they had satanic connections or whatever. It's like they were fucking killing people. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? it's like, <laughs> uh, so um, the theory that uh, there was a lot of them that were connected um, is interesting. And uh, it's it's worth researching and it's worth noting that, um, you know, maybe there were some higher level connections with these serial killers. Maybe there was a military connection to MK Ultra. You know, there's a lot of and it's is it a lot uh, is a lot of it far fetched. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. There might be there might be something there. Um, definitely interesting to talk about. I do not believe that Bob Ross was a killer. <laughs> um, as fun as that theory uh, could potentially be. Um, I, I just Bro, what an absolute crock of a video, though. That, that guy. video was a crock of shit. <laughs> I apologize to everybody. Uh, that's, you know, you win some, you lose some. We definitely lost that one. I was really hoping he was going to turn... Uh, he was going to... Um, connected to the paintings but he never did and i'm like that's no nope, he, he, he say bob was, ross was a killer definitely connect the paintings you know all, all he did was give a great rundown of how bundy bunday was the uh was the guy <laughs> was the guy you know uh he would have been better off saying uh bob ross did not kill these people this is the he, he should have said uh bob ross theory debunked oh my god he probably would have gotten way more hits <laughs> I probably I probably would have watched it if uh, it said Bob Ross debunked <laughs> and I would have had a different look of the video. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about it earlier and I was like, I'm not surprised at all that you even knew that that was a theory. <laughs> well, you can't you got you got to get up early to get a sneak up on National Geographic. Oh, I'm, I'm going to find some shit. Uh, I was actually surprised you didn't know a lot of like I've I've listened to hours and hours of serial killer podcasts that dive a little bit deeper into these sick bastards and yeah, uh, I'm gonna be completely honest the only reason i want to get into it on this show is views um i feel like we romanticize them too much uh yeah i i agree with that um they, true crime and serial killers has definitely blown the hell up bro and, americans uh i i'm not even gonna say americans people in general have a fascination with murder and murderers. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. I mean, since ancient times, like uh, in the Wild West, people would literally travel to watch a hanging. That was their entertainment. That's so crazy to me. Um, very, very weird. They would uh, do hangings on sun, like Saturdays or Sundays. People would pack up lunch, a picnic lunch. Get on a hillside overlooking where the hanging's taking place, and they would just eat. They would just eat their freaking picnic uh, and watch. That's crazy. Um, I know they had a whole coliseum built to watch people die. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying, bro. I, I wonder. I wonder if the world is sick enough. If they had like, like, take the UFC for example, and like fighting. Oh, bro, you can't tell me on a scale of one to the fall of Rome. That we're not there. You can't tell me. 
Like if they had people that legitimately fought to the death, I'm pretty sure people would pay to watch it. Oh, bro, I'm telling you right now, like you can't tell me that this multi-million dollar industry isn't isn't just gladiators that don't kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Well, that was fun. Um, I'm a little. I'm still disappointed in the Bob Ross thing. I was really hoping for some fun shit, I, but I I really should have just acted surprised. I'm like, oh my god, no! But you could you would have known. I would have known. I would have read right through your bullshit. Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> lie for nothing. We need to fucking talk about ghosts again or some shit. We yeah, we need to get back. To, we need to get back to it. Get back to the roots, if you yeah, will. Let's get back to the roots. Let's talk about some Bigfoot, some ghosts, some UFO shit. Um, we'll get back there. We kind of strayed away a little bit, but it's been fun. Um, I do want to. I do want to cover some near death experience stuff in the okay. not so distant okay. future. There's some really cool. Um, stories and a lot you know speaking of connections there's a lot of interesting connections and similarities and near-death experiences that i think warrants a discussion so yeah you know um bob ross being a serial killer i mean anything's possible i guess <laughs> but, thousand, percent, uh, thousand percent maybe yeah um i mean don't... who are we who are we to say you know what i mean i mean it could, yeah. it could, could you could imagine be... if he was if he if he did kill those people and he set that guy up could you imagine bro like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty wild, but I just really don't think there's much weight to that. Have you heard of the theory of the Zodiac Killer actually uh, actually being the person who killed John JonBenet Ramsey? I, <laughs> Have I you heard I of that one? Some, I think I've heard something about it, but I just... Oh, fun. I don't know about that one. I mean... It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, there's face. photos of John Benet Ramsey with Giseline Maxwell in the background. So I guess, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> oh man, um, Epstein did it. <laughs> I also, um, I don't know if she watches this show, but my wife's cousin, right? Okay. I'll leave the names out of this. She yeah, reached out. No I want to read this shit to you guys because I got caught totally off guard. Um, and you know what? I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. If they have something crazy to say, I'll listen to it. So my wife's cousin sends me this Facebook message and it says, hello, cuz. So um, currently chatting with a dead guy, my second dead guy. I'm not even bullshitting you guys here. And she says, I need information from you and sends me her phone number. And I'm like, okay. And I, I, I don't know. I was weirded out. So I said, Text me and tell me what's going on. So I sent her a text. And uh, let me see if I can pull up her text. It's wild shit. I was like, uh, I mean, like I said, try to give she everyone come on the, the benefit show? of the doubt. But <laughs> I don't know if she would come on the show. Uh, where is it? Here we go. So she says, I met a 15-year-old kid a year ago who can hear ghosts. This morning during a lengthy Discord discussion with a second ghost, I was informed that this is only the tip of the iceberg as far as what this kid will be able to do. I believe it. It's a fucking long story. And I said, you should come on my podcast. <laughs> and she said, no, I won't put him in jeopardy. I'm hoping that you know things that will help him. And I'm like, that I know things? Man, you got me pinned wrong. <laughs> she goes, um, all of a fucking shit ton happened electronically. I have emails and private messages, private messages about so much. All of my ghost encounters are documented. I will show you, but I won't jeopardize Bob. And I said, okay. Bob the Builder. <laughs> I said, okay. 
he's communicating with you through Discord? And she said, yes. He takes over Bob's body and types to me. Cutter typed in Luxembourgish. Kaz speaks in Welsh. I copy and paste into Google Translate and then respond in English. Um, she messaged me a sample of these conversations and sent me a picture of the Discord. And it is it looks like gibberish to me. Um, yeah. So I said, wow, that's wild. And she goes, when can you come over? And uh, she goes, by the way, your brother is involved in this. The autistic one. The autism is our gift. So she's autistic. And okay. Okay. Uh, my little brother is low functioning uh, autistic. Um, so I was like, okay, don't drag my brother into the shit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's right. going on? And she said, highlights. I helped a ghost move three sets of keys off a hook in a remote location, saving a guy's life. That's just the beginning. I need to know what you've learned. And she said, this isn't just ghost shit. It's God shit. And uh, I said, whoa. <laughs> and I said, how is my brother involved? And she said, I don't know yet. I just know that he is. He can experience more of God than the average person. Now, it warranted a short discussion with my wife when I got home. I said, hey. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, I, got, I got this message. And um, I just don't know. I'm a very open-minded individual. And when I hear crazy things, um, I don't even like to say crazy things. When I hear somebody that's like so... Um, so uh sure you know i'm like okay is uh you know she on some drugs <laughs> you know like i have to ask these questions legitimately um because if that's the case then i'm worried about her but yeah. um i don't know it's just a weird totally caught me off guard and to bring my brother into it i was like huh because my brother has said something weird so <laughs> here's a story my brother's low functioning autistic right Love him, okay, to the, okay. love him to death. Um, one of my visits over to see my family, um, he said to my wife and I, he said, Christopher, he goes, watch out for the high wind and the garbage truck on the pass. Right. So we have to traverse a mountain pass to get over to eastern Washington where my family lives. Yeah. And this was long before I worked for a trash company. <laughs> so. My wife and I are driving home on the pass, on said pass, and it's windy as fuck, right? And we're driving, and all of a sudden, here comes a truck towing a garbage truck. Oh, right? shit. And I was like, I, I lost my mind. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, it was such a random sequence. You know, watch out for the wind on the pass and the garbage truck. Yeah. What are the fucking... I work for a garbage company. We don't ship trucks very often. <laughs> you know, yeah. It just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, it does, but very rarely. And to find and to be at the right spot at the right time under the right conditions, very, very weird. So That is pretty wild. When people say that people that are autistic function on a different, uh, a different frequency, I tend to believe it. But that was, you know... I'm I'm a believer in the paranormal, but when weird things like that happen to me, I have to go, is this fucking bullshit or what? This is was that just a, a crazy guess that my low functioning autistic brother said to me? Or does he have a, some sort of link <laughs> to something else? You know? I don't know. Super weird. But uh, I don't think I've ever told that story on here. Um very weird thing for him to say. 
That is um, wild, man. No, yeah. you hadn't told that story on here. Yeah, super wild and so random. And um, I don't know what to think about it, <laughs> you know, other than yeah. the, ki- the kid loves weather and he loves garbage trucks. Even long before I worked for a trash company, he loved garbage trucks. So maybe it was just that. <laughs> but uh, it's just so, so crazy. Um, but who knows? On that note, don't stick your paintbrush in a portal, folks. And we'll see you <laughs> next Bob week. Bob Ross might have done it. <laughs> maybe maybe so and uh maybe he's not dead maybe he's with michael jackson and tupac in cuba you never know <laughs> we'll see you next week Ooh, that's a good theory <laughs>